At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. All righty, welcome to it, ladies and gentlemen. Time for another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host here, as always. Hopefully, you had yourself a great weekend. We certainly did, if you can't tell by my voice, was out celebrating the nice weather here in the Chicagoland area and got a round of 18 and so always a pleasure to do that. And hey, well, we were enjoying the slate of games. Maybe not as much in the NBA because, well, the Bucks didn't come through for us, which was a complete bummer. And really, the rest of the NBA games, I mean, they just stunk, right? It was a blowout. But NHL. The Stanley Cup postseason lived up to the playoff hype per usual. And man, that Calgary-Dallas game last night was insane. I thought it was going to go on for at least another hour. But the Flames come through and our Stanley Cup ticket stays alive at least for one more round. And I am incredibly excited this week and today slash tonight specifically because, you know, I mean, it's not ideal that it coincides that there's no basketball or hockey games tonight, but it's a great reset because we get to look at all of these unique type of series bets that we can place both in the NBA and in the NHL. So we'll go through it all here on the CityCast, and we've got some baseball to look forward to. The Cubbies coming off some nice series out on the West Coast, coming back home. Taking on the Pirates, the Yankees, well, they took care of business against the Southsiders, and now the White Sox, uh, I don't know how they're feeling about themselves. You're going to Kansas City, which typically you would be content about, but considering you haven't done great against AL Central opponents, who the hell knows what to expect. But we'll still get into the handicap of the game and much more. So stick around for the whole episode because we got plenty of content to get through. Let's go ahead and begin with baseball, though. Baseball, we've got the Cubbies, like we said, back at the friendly confines, taking on the Pirates. The Cubbies took two out of three at Arizona this past weekend. The Pirates coming off a four-game series versus the Reds. They split those four games. Weather conditions tonight should be a solid evening. Wind is going to be blowing out 13 miles per hour to right field on the north side. Okay, so this could be a game that's going to feature a lot of runs, not only because of the weather, but also because of the pitching situation and maybe a little bit more so in favor of Pittsburgh. So I'm going to go through all these stats and and numbers and splits and what have you and told you or tell you rather after I did all this research what I would have made my line versus where it opened and where it resides currently at that river. So. 
Dylan Peters is scheduled to get the nod tonight for Pittsburgh, and he's actually been a hybrid of a relief pitcher and a starter this year. So um, he's played in 10 games, but he started only three, and he has not gone farther than 3.1 innings pitched. He came in relief twice against the Cubbies earlier this season, allowed one hit, no earned runs. But in four career meetings with one start, that was way back in 2018 against the Cubs, he's 3-0 with a 0.00 ERA. So the Cubbies have not had success against Dylan Peters, the southpaw. And apparently not many other teams have either because he's got a 3-1 record this season, a 1.83 ERA, 0.71 whip, 2.95 xFIP and a BABIP of 109. Incredible. But of course, again, he's been mostly a relief pitcher and hasn't gone that deep as a starter. So maybe not as vulnerable deeper in innings to get really just pummeled by some of these squats. Now, his Sierra, his skill interactive ERA, is telling you that, hey, maybe those numbers aren't a true indication of what we can expect because his Sierra is 4.36. So maybe if he does get stretched a little bit further than he typically does, maybe the Cubs can expose him. And the Cubs, we know, hitting-wise, have not been incredibly dominant, but they've been picking it up a little bit more so as of late. They are hitting worse at home which is very odd to see, 655 OPS, but they have been hitting better versus southpaws this season, 684 OPS for the Cubs. But can the Pittsburgh Pirates find a way to win this game? Who are the Cubbies throwing out there? Well, it's Wade Miley, another lefty, who really had a struggling outing at San Diego in his Cubs 2022 season debut. All right, he went just three innings pitched. Allowed five hits and three earned runs, which gave him an ERA of nine flat, a 3.33 whip, 7.44 FIP, and a 7.95 Sierra. Look, I'm just throwing it out there because the numbers are obviously ridiculous, but it's only after one start, so you can't really take that into account. When it's just like one start or two, I just look at the straight up hits and earn runs. And no, it wasn't a great outing, but you know, at the same time, folks, uh, going on the road against San Diego a lineup that can be so lethal, it's a tall order, all right? So I'm not shocked that that occurred with Wade Miley. Ideally, you get him in the situation against the Pirates where he's 4-4 four and four with a 3.64 ERA against them in 13 career starts. So maybe you do get a better outing out of Wade Miley, but you've really struggled against the Pirates this season, being the Cubbies. The Pirates have a 4-2 regular, se or just, yes, regular season series lead, but the odd thing is Pittsburgh's pitchers going 0-2 with a 5.32 ERA in those games. It's been more than three weeks since the Cubbies have won a home game, and that was against the Pirates. If they lose today, it will be their seventh consecutive home defeat. And the Pirates, man, the Pirates made history. They're coming off one of the weirdest wins you will ever see. Yesterday, it became the sixth team in baseball's modern era to win without recording a hit. Cabrian Hayes' eighth-inning RBI, which was a fielder's choice, gave the only run in the Pirates' 1-0 victory over the Reds. It gets worse and worse for Cincinnati as the season progresses, but my goodness. So the Pirates have been doing a little bit better than a lot of people thought, but at some point, you got to think Pittsburgh turns this thing around. It's not going to be instantaneous, and it's not going to be a huge jump, but slowly and surely, they've been improving this season. Whereas the Cubs, well, we know they've been getting worse, but the last two series have been a little bit hopeful for the North side. Now, the Pirates are a team that is hitting slightly better on the road, 659 OPS, and a lot better versus Southpaws, 680 OPS. So both teams, respectively, uh, they're hitting better against lefties. And the thing that scares me about back in the Cubbies in this situation is that, you know, Wade Miley coming off that first outing probably didn't boost a lot of confidence in him. Now you got the pressure going to the friendly confines against a Pirates team you should pitch well against. Maybe there's not pressure. He's an old vet, but you get what I'm saying. Like, you'd, you want to make an impression your first time you come to Wrigley Field. Everybody talks about how special it is, and it is special. It should be. And after that bad performance, and he talked about it, that he got really frustrated and he's a bad pitcher when he pitches angry, he's got to be composed out there. But will the pressure be too much? 
It shouldn't be against the Pirates on your home field, but who knows? Who knows? Now, going back on the other side, though, where a benefit for the Cubs could arise here, considering Dylan Peters has not gone farther than 3.1 innings pitched, this could be another short outing for him and the Pirates, and you might have to use your bullpen early, which is not great for the Pirates considering they have a bullpen ERA of 4.31, and their whip around their bullpen is 1.30, which as we know as a starter is league average. So not terrible, but compared to the bullpen average, you know, it's above average or below average, excuse me. Uh, the Cubs, their bullpen still trucking along, doing fairly well. They got an ERA of 3.32 and a whip of 1.21. Now remember, the wind's blowing out here. Dylan Peters has had the Cubbies number. The Cubs have been the hotter team. So what would you make this line? What would you at least have the Cubs and their number at in this game? After I did all that, I didn't look at where the number opened or where it currently was. I made the Cubs minus 125, believe it or not. Yeah, I made them the favorite, but I made them minus 125. I put the total at nine considering the wind was blowing out and Peters may not go that long, and Miley just got blown up, and we still got to see what he's looking like and what his true form can be. I think there could be a decent amount of runs, and I don't think there's enough. I, there, there shouldn't be enough conviction in trusting the Cubbies in this spot, and it seems ridiculous and sad to say that when you get a home game against the Pirates. But again, the Pirates took the last series at the friendly confines. They took the first one as well. I... What have the Cubs done besides these past two series to instill confidence in them at home and or against the Pirates? What has Wade Miley done to warrant your trust? Not a lot. So the Cubs should be the better team. They should have the better lineup. So that's why I made them the favorite, but not a significant favorite. So minus 125, that's where I think the Cubbies should be priced at. Well, the odds makers, the market completely disagrees with me. At Bet Rivers, the Cubbies opened as high as minus 161. That's ridiculous to me. Pittsburgh plus 140 at the opener. The total, 8.5. Total makes sense to me. The juice now is on the over, minus 118. Yeah, I'd entertain betting the over. But the Cubbies minus 161, hell no. I'm not saying they can't win this game or won't win this game, but in what world are you laying that big of a price with Wade Miley and the Cubs against the Pirates and Dylan Peters, who again has had their number? So now the market has gone a little bit against the Cubs because they're down to minus 155. The Pirates now just plus 132. If you want to take the run line with Pittsburgh, it's minus 165. If you want to lay the run in the hook with the Cubbies, you're getting plus 132. Look, maybe because the Pirates are, I don't know, due for a loss against the Cubs or, you know, that game yesterday was kind of weird and they haven't been hitting that well. I mean, they haven't. They've been winning games against, you know, inferior teams and they found good spots. I mean, they did well against the Dodgers, let's not forget. But, you know, they haven't been hitting it lights out, nor have the Cubbies. But it was an impressive back-to-back -back series performance by the Cubbies out on the West Coast. So maybe that's sparking the momentum in this team and in the market trusting them. I just not, I'm just not buying it. I don't want to lay that big of a price with the Cubs. Now, of course, you could opt in to do the run line at plus 132. But again, my trust with the Cubbies is not there. And considering I made the money line minus 125, in order to do the run line, I would want to get like a plus 160 or better on the Cubbies. But I'm not getting that. So I'm going to stay away. I don't want to bet the Pirates because who the hell wants to trust Pittsburgh but I definitely wouldn't lay that much with the Cubs. The Cubs probably get down early in this game, to be honest. Wade Miley will probably give up a run or two. Dylan Peters throws three great innings. And then you could live bet the Cubs if you really want and hope Pittsburgh's bullpen implodes. Or you could do the total runs over eight and a half, like I was saying. I don't think that's a bad approach considering the wind's blowing out. Could also look, uh, look at the first five innings. Let's see what that total's at. Four and a half. Shaded even more to the over, minus 121. So yeah, maybe you see an abundance of runs in this game. That would be my approach to betting this spot at Wrigley Field. Let me know if you got a different angle. I'm not seeing it with the Cubs at that price. 
So I wouldn't rush to lay it just because Pittsburgh's coming to town. But I would entertain the over. All right. What about the White Sox and the Royals this game? You know, full disclosure, as I'm talking about it now at about 11 a.m., no pitcher has been listed for the White Sox, so we can't really handicap it too much considering that the lines aren't posted. But just to set the stage a tad bit, White Sox coming off a series loss. Big shocker, right? Yeah, to the Yankees. They lost three out of four. Royals coming off a nice series dub at the Mile High City. They won two out of three against the Rockies. Brad Keller is going to be pitching for the Royals. Keller sports a 5-5 five and five record with a 3.30 ERA and 17 career appearances, 14 of them starts, versus the White Sox. However, Keller is coming off a bad outing. His worst this season. He surrendered six runs, five were earned on nine hits, including two home runs in five and two-thirds innings in a 6-4 to loss against the Rangers in Texas on Tuesday. But looking at his other numbers overall for 2022, he's 1-3 with a 2.70 ERA, 0.98 whip, and then he's got a FIP which could kind of resemble potentially a setback so to speak 4.06 and same with his sierra 4.21 so you're looking at that and you're going all right i mean you're already kind of stuck on a crap team as is and you've had decent outings but your last one was atrocious and the underlying stats are kind of telling you hey maybe he's not this good all right fair enough where's the benefit though for keller well that's him pitching at home he's pitching a lot better at home where he's got a 0.93 ERA, 203 Woba, and a FIP of 3.47. So, hey, if there's a time to trust Keller, definitely could be on his home confines. Now, again, the White Sox, we don't know who's pitching, but they hit better against lefties themselves, and they hit better at home, typically. So, what do you what do you take out of the White Sox here? Well, they should have Mankata back in the lineup, and Luis Robert is crushing it. He's gotten... A 407 average, 22 for 54 with two homers, eight RBIs, 11 runs scored during his current 13-game hitting streak. Not overall, but during this hitting streak, he's hitting 407. So the dude's been crushing it. But let's remember, the White Sox did drop two out of three versus Kansas City earlier this year, and they are currently 4-10. Yes, 4-10 against AL Central rivals up to this point. I don't know who the hell I trust in this game, but, you know, considering who the pitcher is, I'm sure the White Sox will end up being like, I don't know, minus 130 to minus 140. It's tough. You know, you want to take the White Sox in these situations because of how lethal their lineup should be and can be, but you just don't know because of the streakiness, at least against their division rivals. So maybe this is actually a decent buy-low spot on the Royals, or maybe you look at this being a lower scoring game, a first five under, something around those kind of bets. That's maybe the best way to approach it. You know you really can't trust the White Sox bullpen right now, and as for the Royals, well, actually I want to pull up their stats. Uh, Kansas City's bullpen ain't that great either. 4.31 ERA, 1.40 whip, not a great bullpen. We know the White Sox can have a good bullpen, but they got a 4.10 ERA with a 1.37 whip. Can't trust them either. So we'll see who the White Sox pitcher is. I don't know. I would only look to handicap involving the starters here, meaning a first five type of angle. But we'll see who gets listed. And if I like it enough to bet it, I'll talk about it on Rush Hour tonight during Danny's Dimes, which again, make sure you check out 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, vsun.com or the vsun app, Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio, so wherever you get your podcasts available. All righty, that's our baseball preview for tonight, folks. But coming up next, I am pumped. We've got series bets for the NBA and for the Stanley Cup postseason. Stick around, you won't want to miss it. Be back in a flash right here on the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers has your bases covered with early week betting fun. Your baseball bet gets a little extra pop at Bet Rivers Sportsbook every Tuesday. Just log into Bet Rivers and receive a 20% profit boost on a baseball bet every single Tuesday during the entire regular season. You can use it on straight bets, player props, or a same game parlay. 
you decide. Log on to the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com and get your 20% profit boost today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. All righty, time to talk some series betting props here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Again, I'm Danny Burke, your host. Thank you for being with us on this Monday. Well, probably Monday afternoon by the time you're listening to it. But thank you for being with us to start your week on this Monday. So first things first, as we get into the conference finals for the NBA, I just want to do a brief recap of some of the games that we saw. Obviously. I'm pretty disappointed about the Bucks not closing out against the Celtics. I feel like we had, I mean, <laughs> and it sounds funny to say this because obviously we didn't win, but I feel like we did have a really great angle in terms of how we approached that series. No, the Celtics should not have been as big of a series favorite as they were, considering it took seven games for them to beat the Bucks, with the Bucks missing their second best player in Chris Middleton. That stinks. That absolutely stinks. We had over five and a half games. We cashed that. We had the Bucks to win in six at plus 550. Was there for the damn taking. You had a huge win at the TD Garden. You come back home and you just can't do it. And you know what? When they lost that game, you kind of knew the Bucks were screwed. They weren't going to steal two games, two huge games in Boston. Just wasn't going to happen. But we also had the Bucks 7-1 to win in seven. The tough thing about that, and I tweeted about it, you couldn't really hedge pre-flop because the Celtics were laying five and what, minus 220 on the money line? I mean, you could, but there was always a chance that if you laid the spread, you were going to get middled and you would lose both, right? Maybe the chances were slim, but that was the case. And look, I was going to wait for an in-game hedging opportunity, and even when the Bucks were keeping it close or up, it was still having, meaning the live lines, they were still having the the Celtics is a fairly decent favorite, like three to six points in that range. And, you know, bad on me because I was golfing and coming home from golf, trying to get in front of a TV to find the right angle. So I didn't get it when it was a shorter spot. And then by the second half, I was like, all right, I'll wait for it. Hopefully the Bucks make a run, but there was never a run at any point. Hopefully you were able to hedge something. Hopefully you were able to cash on the Celtics. Uh, but that was tough. That was tough. And then we lose out. You know, on the Bucks to win the championship at five to one. But really, you know, if Middleton isn't injured, and I get ifs, ands, or buts, yeah, shut the hell up. I understand. But come on. If Middleton is playing in that series, the Bucks probably win in six. For sure. And Giannis had the yips the last game. That was terrible. They had no production from the role players. I mean, Wesley Matthews wasn't doing squad. Grayson Allen only tries when it's against the Bulls. Bobby Portis didn't have a signature game. Drew Holiday was struggling. Nobody was doing anything. And the Celtics had Peyton Pritchard and Grant freaking Williams looking like Larry Bird and Reggie Miller out there. I still don't trust the Celtics team. I don't think the Celtics are going to win with a Tatum, Brown, and Smart trio. Unless... Pritchard and and freaking Grant Williams can go off again. If they're hitting their threes, yeah, nobody's probably beating them. I'll be honest. But you got to rely on that from them in another seven-game series where you don't have home court advantage against a eager, competitive, and deep Miami Heat team. Now, I was scared about the Heat for a second because of how they looked against the Sixers, but the fact they went to Philly, closed the series out there, reinstilled some confidence in them and they've had some time off they've played the Celtics it hasn't gone great I mean the Celtics have the regular season series advantage two to one it's a different beast in this postseason man Miami's a different team at home it's gonna be fun let's get into it series price who do you think is the favorite you're probably thinking it's pretty close in terms of the odds right I mean especially since Miami has a home court advantage and we know what the Heat are capable of we understand that these teams both have respectively been at the top of the odds boards throughout the Eastern Conference. The Heat have had more time off. You probably think it's close. Maybe you even think the Heat are a slight favorite. Well, I'm here to tell you 
The odds makers do not think the same as you. At Bet Rivers, the Boston Celtics are a minus 167 series favorite. Minus 167. The Miami Heat, plus 137. Wow. Best number you can get on the Heat if you shop around, plus 150. Best number is on Boston, lane minus 167 if you like them, at Bet Rivers. First things first, right off the top of my head, if you like Boston, wait. Don't lay minus 167 pre-flop. You're going on the road in two games against the Heat. If you if you lose game one, you'll get a way better number. Odds will flip immediately. All right, that's my first thought. Second thought, they're doing it again. They are overrating this Boston Celtics team. I don't know why. Is reliability on them already? Like, Is everybody just infatuated with the Celtics team? And I'm not. Maybe I have a underlying disdain for them. I don't know. I don't know what it is. And I get that Miami, their role players, maybe not as good as the Celtics role players. Coaching matchup, a little bit more even here. But the Heat, if they get Tyler Hero going off, if they get a healthy Kyle Lowry, if Bam can be productive and who knows what Robert Williams' status is going to be, I don't see this as lopsided as the books are indicating just like the Bucs series folks they almost lost it against the Bucs despite the Bucs just being idiotic and not winning in game six if they had Middleton we'd be having a completely different conversation the Heat are ready for this moment the Heat can match up well enough with Boston look I'm not guaranteeing a Heat win I'm not even saying I'm betting them to win but there's no chance I'm laying that price with Boston I just think the Heat are not getting enough respect in this market but hey if you're like no the Celtics should be that big of a favorite do yourself a favor and wait because what if Miami wins game one then you'll get Boston probably at even money at least and then you'll be feeling a lot better getting that price we always talk about it. Configure this in your head, right? Kind of play the scenarios out and look to how you should strategize the series bets. Who do you think is going to win game one? All right, then either wait or attack now based on that. Then who do you think is going to win game two? So on and so forth. That's the way you got to kind of manifest it and have that preconceived notion instilled so you know when to attack. You have your numbers and based off what the odds makers are giving you. I think... The highest the Celtics should be a favorite in this series, minus 130 at the absolute highest, pre-flop. I think there's the value to be had in Miami, for sure. But can you get the role production out of Miami? Can you get them to sneak a game on the road in Boston? Or can you get them to win both at home? I think you could get them to win both at home. The Celtics coming off of a deep, tiring series. Miami playing a lot better at home. Wouldn't shock me. So again, if you like the Celtics, have a little bit of patience. If not, well, with the Heat, maybe look to bet it now. Or you could always look at some other angles that we are finally going to get into, meaning the series spread, meaning the exactas, meaning the total games played between these two teams. I think you could entertain the idea of looking at Miami plus one and a half on the series spread. This meaning that the Heat could lose in seven or win in any type of game, meaning they could sweep, win in five, win in six, win in seven, or lose in seven, and you would cash your bet. Minus 125, the best number for this spot. I don't necessarily love taking the one and a half, though, in general, and laying a price to do so, because the margin of error is so slim that at that point, you might as well take the plus money almost for them to win it or look at some other type of angle. But the nice thing about if you're doing it here with the Heat, I will say, is that they're very even with the Celtics, but they have the advantage in my mind because of the home court. So I wouldn't hate doing it here per se. But I would be more, eh, I guess I'd be more enticed to look at the total games played over five and a half. Now, they're making you pay a decent amount to get over that at Bet Rivers. And rightfully so, because it's probably going to happen. Over five and a half games, minus 186. 
Ideally, if you gave me minus 170 or better, though, yeah, I'd probably take that right away. And I get it. It's a 16 cent difference at this point, which may not seem that big, but you're already laying a decent amount. So at that point, you know, every other cent really matters when it comes down to it. But if you don't mind laying that big of a price, let's be honest. Again, neck and neck, back and forth battles, great head coaches, great depth. This series probably goes at least six games. Maybe if the Heat do win that first game. Well, honestly, considering Boston is a favorite pre-flop, if the Heat win the first game, then I think over five and a half games will for sure be a bigger favorite. So scratch that. If the Celtics won game one, then over five and a half, you'd get a better number on. So again, configure this in your head. But even still before the series, man, I, I think it definitely goes six or seven games. I don't love the idea of laying minus 186, but hey, we laid $2 with the Heat to cover their series spread and we got it. If you have enough conviction, money is still green, you're going to cash it. So maybe I'll add that. Maybe I will. I don't know. It's tough because you're not getting odds to shop around with this per se. Like you can bet the exact games at other books, meaning if it goes exactly on six or if it goes exactly on seven. Bet Rivers is a great book in the sense that they offer the hook over five and a half, under five and a half. No other book gives you the hook. It's the exact number of games. So I guess at that point, then maybe you could look at this and do the exact bets, meaning it ends in six and seven. And if you get enough plus money on both of those, you could bet both and hope that it goes over. I'm trying to see if we get this here, like what some of these, here we go, what some of these odds are like, well, again, so like I'm looking at a different book, for example, right now, you know, for the Celtics and Heat in six games, it's plus 180 and seven games, it's plus 175, not that great a value to bet both. I would want at least two to one on each to do that or one being like three to one and one being like plus 175. Again, that doesn't seem like it's going to be the case. So maybe you just do the singular bet and you lay the minus 186. Another one plus 180 in six games, seven games plus 190. So yeah, again, you're probably not going to find it to be worth it to bet both this, uh, both the six and seven. So again, I'm not saying I'm using it as a bet right now. I'll talk more about it on Danny's Dimes. See if the market moves a little bit before that game one. But minus 186 for over five and a half games, do not hate that approach whatsoever. So yeah, that's how I'm looking to uh, looking to consider to handicap the Heat and Celtics. If I'm going to do one, I would definitely prefer the over five and a half games as opposed to taking the game and a half with Miami. I'll look to bet it on a game-to-game basis more so. But all I'm saying, not that the Celtics won't win this series, but they should not be as high as a minus 167 favorite. Let's go ahead and move on to the Western Conference now. How about them Dallas Mavericks? More so, how about them Phoenix Suns? (laughs) I don't really have anything against Phoenix. I was rooting for them last year against the Bucs in the championship. They're a fun team, but they almost got too cocky. Right? They were cruising through the regular season and everybody's like pushing Phoenix Suns content down your throat like them dancing pregame, them working out after games, whoop de doo Apparently every team does that, but they record themselves doing it. You can't close out against the Mavericks at home considering you were the short shots all year to win the championship. They got down to like 2-1, to one, maybe even lower. That's why you said don't take it. Terrible value. The depth was there. The head coaching was there. The clutchness, nope, went away. Chris Paul, game seven, can't come through. (laughs) Ay, ay, ay. Devin Booker, buddy, you missed your game. Where were you? Doncic was unreal. Brunson was a stud. Dinwiddie came alive. Everybody did. Their defense did. The Mavericks, a team even I'm very critical of because they don't have a lot of depth. They come through and beat the team that arguably had some of the most depth. Wow. Wow. Props to the Mavericks. Phoenix, what the hell are you doing? You squandered yet another opportunity to win a championship. 
You think they can do it at this point? With this crew, I mean? You know, Chris Paul gets another year older. We don't know what's going to happen with Aiton in the offseason. Can they keep this entire core together? Like, when Chris Paul didn't win it last year, I'm like, man, to go through all of that long season, long postseason, and you lose and you're this old, like, it's a, it, it's a lot to go through that again. He says he's coming back, but I mean, again, it's a long journey to do it. You don't know what's going to happen throughout the course of another 82-game season and then the offseason beforehand and with how the other teams are loading up in the West. We didn't know if he was going to come back, and I was a little shocked he came back, just a little bit, because I figured he'd try to go somewhere new where he would have a lot better chance to win a championship. But he stood with his crew. He stood with the Suns, with the young guns, and uh, <laughs> it just didn't work out. And Doncic has the upper hand, and then some. Shouldn't even have been a debate over Devin Booker. All the Suns fans crying, oh, Booker should have been MVP because he had, what, a cool two-week stretch at the end of the year? Oh, pipe down. Come on. You guys all complaining because Jokic got eliminated early and that he shouldn't have been MVP? Embiid got eliminated. Booker got eliminated. So let's let's knock that off now, all right? But for real, I, I don't know. There was a little bit of joy brought, I feel like, to a lot of people besides Suns fans that the Mavericks won. Like, Luka, he complains all the time, nonstop. It's really annoying. But also seeing Luka succeed is kind of awesome. The Mavericks are an underdog. Man, they were 22-1 to to win the championship before Game 7. They're 6-1 to now. Incredible. Tough test, though. You get Golden State. Now, we came through with our Golden State minus one and a half series bet. Did they make it easy? Absolutely not. But did we feel nervous about game six? Yeah, no, we didn't. Let's be honest. Talked about that on Rush Hour. Talked about that probably here on the CityCast. And also bet on Chicago, another show I do. But knowing the Warriors were going to close that out doesn't mean that I felt the next series, regardless of who they were going to play, was going to be a breeze. Or I would be like, yeah, I'm not worried. It's Golden State. No. Even though I had conviction for that one singular game, doesn't mean my confidence levels are high for Golden State, regardless of if it were the Suns, regardless of if it is the Mavericks, and it is. Because, well, the Warriors kind of made you nervous for a lot of games. It wasn't pretty. Clay finally came alive. Took till game six to do so. Can this team play on the road? Because the Mavericks have been stellar at home. Can the Warriors get a comfortable win at home? The odd says Golden State minus 250. Dallas is 2-1 to one as the underdog. The best number on Dallas is 2-1. to one. The best number on Golden State minus 225. Dallas had the 3-1 regular season series advantage. However, the Warriors did not play Dallas with the trio of Draymond, Steph, and Clay. Couple of bets that I like. I think over five and a half games, again, just like the last series and like the Bucks and Celtics series, is a viable betting option here. And you're getting a better price compared to the other series. It's minus 152 for the Warriors and Mavs over five and a half games. Dallas has proven to us time and time again now that they can hang with the big boys. I mean, if we for a second look back and before Dallas played Phoenix, but knowing what we know now about the Warriors and how they played against the Grizzlies, wouldn't you be, again? and again, it's hard to do it now because we already saw him beat Phoenix, but again, what I'm trying to say in a hypothetical scenario is like, I feel like I would have been more worried for the Mavericks against the Suns as opposed to the Mavericks against the Warriors based on how Golden State just played Memphis. And we try to eliminate recency bias, and we need to do that, but some, you also have to address it. And the fact that Golden State had really terrible games against the Grizzlies without their top player, even though they have played well without them, I don't care. That's a little concerning. The Mavericks getting blown out, so to speak, in two road games, yes, concerning. But they closed it out on the road in Game 7, and that's all that matters. And they dominated at home. 
So the Warriors being this big of a favorite, not shocking, that's expected. Doesn't mean it's the right play. Doesn't mean I want to lay that much. Absolutely not. And at the same time, doesn't mean I want to take Dallas. I wouldn't argue against you if you did. But if you laid minus 225 or 250 with Golden State, I'd probably argue you a little bit because there's better ways to go about it. You could bet the Warriors to win in six at plus 425, or you could bet the Warriors to win in seven at plus 375. That's the way I would look to bet it if I were very eager to trust the Warriors. But I'm not. Definitely not. That's why I think I'd stick to the over five and a half games. You don't have to stick with one team the whole time. You just need, ideally here because they're the underdog, the Mavericks to sneak a game at least at Golden State or win both at home if it goes back and forth, you know. But I, I, I do think that's a plausible outcome for this series to go six or seven games. But realistically, Warriors could probably win this in six at plus 425. Going to seven games, the odds are telling you it's a better chance of that happening than the Warriors closing out in six. So why not just do over five and a half and minus 152? Dallas, like we said, had the three to one regular season series advantage. I get it. The trio wasn't there. Completely different situation. But Dallas has shown us they can compete. Great defense, great rebounding. Just need to hit your shots. Who's going to stop Luka? Answer, nobody. Who's going to stop Clay? Probably himself. Who's going to stop Steph Curry? Nobody if he's on, but he wasn't incredibly on the last game. And as important as Draymond Green is to this team as a facilitator, as a leader, as a defender, he's kind of an offensive liability. He doesn't take shots. And if he's turning the ball over, yeah, liability offensively. Wiggins can be streaky or he'll give you 16 to 17 a game. Otto Porter, is he going to be clutch again? You're missing Gary Payton, a good defensive threat. Jordan Poole's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying the Warriors can bleed. We've seen it happen. The Mavericks have made the top team bleed. Not saying they can win this series, but why can't they make it go at least six games? So for this series, I'll probably end up betting over five and a half games. But you could also, again, wait just a little bit. Look at those game one odds. Wednesday night, Golden State's lane five and a half. You think they win that game? And maybe they do. Then the over five and a half games will probably have a better price. And then you can look to bet it. That's also a way to approach it. So I would consider that way too. If you don't want to lay the minus 152 preflop, wait and then jump in on it. That could be something that is worth the wait. So I'm going to be honest, guys. I mean, I'm not in love with these bets. Before the series starts. But I definitely have strong leans. We got till tomorrow to figure it out if we want to get involved. We'll readdress it. We'll talk about it on Rush Hour. By the way, the Heat are a one-point favorite in Game 1. Warriors lane 5.5. Totals 203.5 for the Celtics in Heat game. My goodness. It's 214.5 for the Warriors and Mavericks. Should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. What I'm looking forward to arguably even more, though, is the Stanley Cup postseason. Phenomenal games that we've seen thus far. Game 7's left and right. Calgary and Dallas coming down to the wire. Ottinger was playing out of his damn mind. Yet, Markstrom was better. And so were the Flames, and they found a way. Let's go through these series prices. We won't spend too much time because I don't want to run this episode too long. And I'll talk about it on Rush Hour if you want more coverage on it. But let's begin with the Panthers and the Lightning. Florida minus 155, Tampa Bay plus 125. Here we go with the Lightning once again as a series underdog. Sorry, Toronto. I guess we were right from the start. You can't be trusted. I lost faith in them after game one, so that's my own fault for not betting it, but we said it. We like Tampa Bay on the series. And hey, could do the same damn thing here. If you think Tampa Bay has value, you could take it plus 125 right now. But who do you think is going to win game one? The market's moving toward the Florida. So, hey, if the Panthers do win game one, maybe you get Tampa Bay 2-1. to one. Conversely, hey, if you like Florida, but you think Tampa Bay can at least get one on the road, which they probably will, you can wait, get a better number on Florida so you don't have to lay minus 155 with a team that's pretty untrustworthy. Talented, yes. Unreliable in the postseason, also yes. 
They split the regular season series 2-2, two to two, by the way. Oh, and in terms of best numbers, the Panthers, you can get minus 145. The Lightning, you can get plus 131. So I like Tampa here because of the value and because of the trust and just the experience. Again, I would look toward them. But you probably can get a better number at some point, especially if they lose game one. With Florida, look, it's not going to surprise me at all if Florida just maybe even won this series in five or six. I don't think that would shock me, to be completely honest, because, again, they are one of the most lethal teams. But I I don't want to lay that price with them. This seems like a good game-to-game series type of betting situation. But all right, if you'd like Tampa, but not all the way to bet the series price, you could take a game and a half at minus 150. But I talked about this. I don't necessarily love betting the plus one and a halfs because it's such a slim margin. If they lose, they can only lose in seven to win it. Or you have to have them win. So why not just bet them to win for better for a better price at plus 125 or higher? So yeah. And then you could hedge in game seven, right? So I wouldn't bet it officially, but if I had to choose one or the other, yeah, I'd take the game and a half with Tampa over laying it with the Panthers. Here we go again, talking total games played, five and a half, minus 167. It's a relatively appropriate price to lay, assuming this series can get to six or seven games. But both of these teams are good enough to beat the other in five, I guess is what I'm saying or looking to say here. You know you can't really trust the Panthers. Both teams coming off, what, seven-game series? So they don't really have that big of a rest advantage. Tampa Bay has proven they can win home and away. So is Florida, but, you know, they barely got past the Capitals, a team that actually struggled at home. The goaltending situation, I give the favor to the Lightning. I do. Roster, offensive dominance, yeah, you give it to the Panthers. Experience to give it to the Lightning. It's tough, man. It's tough. That's why over five and a half games again, because I'm not completely convinced on one side or the other, I think is the best approach. Or wait for game one. If Florida wins, let's jump in on Tampa Bay for the series price. Similar strategy to against the Maple Leafs, except I don't think I'm going to bet the Lightning in game one this time. All right, Avalanche and Blues. This one, look, the odds are telling you Colorado should dominate. And hey, maybe they do, but I personally think it could be a little bit closer. Colorado's minus $4 at Bet Rivers. The Blues plus 305. Colorado had the regular season advantage, 2-1. to one. But I think the Blues could snag a couple games. If you think Colorado wins in six, it's 4-1 to one odds. If you want to have the Blues catching two and a half games on the series spread, meaning they could lose in seven, they could lose in six, they need still cash, or they just win the series outright. It's minus 152. Or, again, here we go, over five and a half games played, minus 117. If you're doing blues, plus two and a half, yeah, just do over five and a half games played, minus 117. Because it's a lot better price, and it's virtually the same bet in the sense that I mean, yeah, I just don't know why you wouldn't do over five and a half games played. Because if it's under, it's not like the Blues can cover the two and a half, right? I mean, if they lose in five, you're not covering the two and a half. They have to lose in six or seven and win to cash you the bet. And if it goes six or seven games, then it's just, again, it's the same bet minus one. I guess one try. If it goes under five and a half games, it's not going to be the Blues winning it realistically. It's going to be the Avalanche. So that's why they're making you lay more in case. That's, you know, why it happens. But no, let's be honest. If it's under five and a half games, it's going to be the avalanche. But if it's over, yeah, I mean, you're cashing the blues plus two and a half, but you're also cashing over five and a half for, you know, like what? 25 cents better? Yeah, I would just do that instead. Over five and a half games played minus 117 as opposed to the blues plus two and a half on the series spread. But again, if you like Colorado, I would not 
of course I wouldn't lay $4 with them on the series spread. I would maybe do an exact outcome on the series and probably Colorado 4 to 2 at 4 to 1. That's it's a decent amount or you could do Colorado in 5. I mean, look, Colorado's so good and the Blues have enough talent that literally anything in terms of the Colorado Avalanche winning in 4, 5, 6 or 7 would not catch me off guard. The Blues winning would, but I think St. Louis makes it a series. So maybe over five and a half games because of the price. But where's your confidence level at with St. Louis? That's what you got to ask yourself. I'm waiting to talk to uh, some of our experts on Rush Hour. Andy McNeil, Nick Alberga, good friend of the show. And then I'll look to see if I think it's worth it. Because I want to get their insight on it. They're the experts. So I'll see. But I'm keeping that one in the back of my mind. Over five and a half games. Hurricanes, Rangers, love this series. We got a Stanley Cup taking on the Hurricanes. Ranta, stud, came through with Frederick Anderson out. Hopefully they could get Anderson back in the mix, the Hurricanes starting goalie. Speaking of starting goalies, Shesterkin, top goalie throughout the regular season. What the hell happened? Struggled in round one, allowed 25 goals, 3.67 goals against average, 91% with his saves. And hey, during the regular season, he struggled. Went 0-2, seven goals allowed, 3.63 goals against average, and a save percentage of 88.3% against the Hurricanes. Ranta did not face the Rangers this season. The Hurricanes had the season series advantage 3-1. At Bet Rivers, the Hurricanes are minus 195. The Rangers are plus 157. But the best number on the Rangers is plus 180 if you search. And minus 185 is the lowest price on the Hurricanes. I love the Hurricanes here. I don't trust the Rangers. Never trusted their offense. Only trusted Shesterkin. All you need is a hot goalie to get through. But look, the Rangers needed infinite amount of things to go their way. A little bit of luck, a little bit of help, whatever it was. They barely squeaked by the Penguins. I don't think it's going to be that easy versus the Hurricanes. I think the Hurricanes win this in five probably. You could get that at plus 390. But you could also do the series spread here with the Hurricanes instead just for a little bit of security, right? And you get them that they could win then in four, five, or six, and you're getting plus 110 at the uh, at the best price here in Illinois. I'm going to bet that. I'm going to do the Hurricanes to cover the series spread minus one and a half at plus 110. Because look, I've been high on the Hurricanes for a while. This is my squad. I'm rooting for them in the Flames. Rangers, I've not trusted. Shesterkin would be the only thing I would trust, but he really struggled in round one against the Penguins. And you're going to go to one of the toughest environments in the Hurricanes' home ice and expect to do well? Nah, I don't think so. I, you know, again, too, um, I don't hate the idea of laying even minus 185 on the Hurricanes to win the series, but at that point, you know, if you bet the minus one and a half for a way better price at plus 110, they sweep, winning five or winning six, we're cashing our bet, right? And we're not laying minus 185. But then say it does go to seven games and you lose your minus one and a half bet, yeah, then I would just bet the Hurricanes in that game at home to make it back, assuming they could win that. But I don't think it goes seven, and I think the Hurricanes cover the one and a half series spread. Love that bet. Hopefully it comes through for us. Let's get it. Hurricanes minus one and a half series spread. And then the final series we have to look forward to, folks. Sorry, my voice is getting out here, but uh, we still got one more to hit on. The Flames and the Oilers. Man, how about that Flames game last night? Ottinger having an out-of-body experience for the whole damn series. As for the Oilers, uh, they didn't make it pretty, but when the hell do they ever make it pretty? Shouldn't have been that close against the Kings, but again, the Oilers are just the Oilers untrustworthy, very talented. Who knows what you expect out of them? The odds makers expect Calgary to probably advance. They're minus 195 at Bet Rivers. Edmonton's plus 160. However, best number on the Oilers, plus 170. Best number on the Flames, minus 176. Big difference there. So shop around. Both teams beat each other twice at home this regular season. The Battle of Alberta. Like we said, though, Here's what you got to take into account. Jake Ottinger had the series of his lifetime. One of the best goalie performances you'll see probably in NHL history. 
I'm not too uh, too up to date on my NHL history in terms of goalie performances, but based on how people have talked about it, based on what you saw with your own two eyes, it's probably the case. And yet, despite that, the Flames still got past him. Markstrom was phenomenal as well. Markstrom in round one only allowed 11 goals, had a 1.53 goals against average, and a save percentage of 94.3%. Mike Smith, he's gone up against Calgary a couple times. He allowed four goals in 34 minutes at Calgary one game, and then two at home when they won a game. Now, Markstrom has struggled a little bit against Oilers. Look, they have familiarity. It's tough, but at the end of the day, yeah, I'm absolutely trusting Markstrom over Mike Smith. The Flames were so aggressive against the Stars. Edmonton is, Edmonton is a team for sure that's liable to giving up a lot of shots on goal, like the Stars did. I don't think Mike Smith's going to be able to handle all of that pressure. How do you look to bet it? Do you want to lay the minus 176? I don't have a problem doing that. But you could also do, again, because of the rivalry, over five and a half games, thinking it could be back and forth. That's minus 152. And I don't really want to lay that per se because the Flames could just dominate. You could do Calgary minus one and a half on the series spread. Best numbers plus 112. Could go to seven games. Who the hell knows? I mean, everything could happen, of course. But because of the familiarity, even though the Flames are the better team, they could take it deep. I would probably bet the minus 176 or... This series spread here with Calgary at plus 112. Not as much confidence as the Hurricanes spread. But I do think the Flames find a way. I guess I'm just debating here. But, you know, based on what I said even with the last series. If, like, you know, like what I'm saying, like Calgary minus one and a half at the plus price compared to the minus 176. You get them to win in a sweep and five or six and you win your bet. And if they don't and you get game seven, then maybe you just bet the Flames at home in that game with a great home environment. And that's how you can make your money back from losing on the series spread because I do believe the Flames win the series. But if you believe that you don't want to risk it going to seven games, then hey, you do the minus 176 to win the series. But then, of course, you got to consider the Oilers winning and you losing minus 176 as opposed to the plus 112. So, of course, you got to consider all of these options. And this one's a little bit trickier to me just because of the matchup. And that's why I'm like, I'm thinking, what if Edmonton does win game one or game two and then we're going to get a better price on Calgary? That's the thing. But do we trust Edmonton here? Do we trust them? Again, I want to consider what some of the experts have to say. I'm not going to be betting this one as immediately like the Hurricanes one. But definitely going to consider the Flames to cover that series spread. And you know what? Realistically, I'll find a way to bet the Flames in this series. So if you're kind of waiting like, Danny, well, give me something to do. Well, like I say, you know. Shameless plug, check out Rush Hour where I'll have the more official and concrete plays. We'll get expert analysis. But I just want to wait a little bit. Just a little bit of patience. But I will find a way to get involved with the Flames. But right now, my official play is going to be the Hurricanes on the series spread minus one and a half. Let me know what you're thinking, guys. Tell me who you like. Tell me what's a good bet to make. I'll write it out with you if I like it too. The playoffs have been a blast. We've done fairly well with our series bets, and man, if the Bucks came through, we'd be doing great. And it doesn't stop before the games start. We're going to continue to bet these series prices throughout the series because that's even when you can get some better value and a better idea of what the hell's happening and what to expect. So I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm pumped, and hopefully we can make the most of it and cash some tickets off it. So let's get after it. Let's get ourselves some winners and let's enjoy these next rounds of the NBA and NHL postseason. And by the way, speaking of the NHL postseason, since it is Stanley Cup playoff time, 
Remember that Bet Rivers has a special offer throughout the entire Stanley Cup postseason. Through the playoffs, you can place three same-game parlays of $10 or more on each round, and you receive a $10 free bet at the conclusion of each round. You can think of it as a betting hat trick. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Create your ideal combo with same-game parlays on the Bet Rivers app or at BetRivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. That's going to wrap it up for another edition of the CityCast. Sorry for keeping this a long one. Just had a lot to go through. Again, official plays, different perspectives, rush hour, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Tweet out the link at Danny Burke 5 If you have any questions, let me know. You can also email me, dburke at vsin.com. Appreciate it if you like or subscribe to the podcast. Any feedback, always cool with that. Love it. Love you guys listening in, and hopefully we can get you some winners for this upcoming week and beyond. But, you know, we kind of take it week by week. All right, we'll catch up again tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy your night. Talk to you then.